0: because <laughs> it has an HDMI hookup because oh. my soundproofing panels have always been behind my laptop. So I- I've not really been able to like kind of take advantage of them because I've been talking into an open laptop. Yeah. So now I'm able to like close my laptop like uh, like two or three inches from being closed and I'm still able to see what's being recorded on the second screen. Yeah,
1: yeah that's how I used to use my laptop... All the time was just as a, basically a desktop, you know, I didn't move it around, but yeah. um, Yeah. So I had that same setup with like, I I even had like a dock, which, which I still do just to use better speakers. I don't know why I could just plug the speakers into the (laughs) laptop each time, but no, I'd rather just plug this USB cord into the laptop each time. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. I think that's really the only thing that, and and it gives me more like USB jacks. I don't know. I really think that's the only thing that's, that I have the dock for. (laughs) now that I'm not using the monitor. Um, so should we get going? Yeah, might as well. All right. Awesome. Welcome to No Hugging, No Learning.
0: It's a show about one thing, watching Seinfeld for the first time.
1: I'm Tim Murphy. And I'm Ted Hollowell. And today we will be talking about season eight, episode nine, The Abstinence. But before that, what is the deal with stuff from our last episode, The Chicken Roaster? Uh, first up, we, you know, we barely got into the episode before we met uh, the celebrity fast food joint known as Kenny Rogers Roasters. So here's a little information about the restaurant. It was, uh, of course, a chain of chicken-based restaurants founded in 1991 by country musician Kenny Rogers and former KFC CEO John Y. Brown, Jr., who was also a former governor of the U.S. state of Kentucky from 79 to 83. Uh, So it really was started by the guy who used to run KFC with Kenny Rogers for some weird reason. (laughs) Uh, They opened their first restaurant in Coral Springs, Florida in August of 1991. By 95, the menu had expanded to include turkey, ribs, and other side dishes. And the chain eventually grew to over 350 restaurants, including locations in Canada, Europe, the Middle East, and Asia. Uh, They expanded to more than 425 restaurants before selling before John Brown sold his interest in the franchise to the Malaysia based Burjaya group in 1996. And then Kenny Rogers Roasters found itself in competition with Boston Chicken, which later changed its name to Boston Market oh. and several other roasted chicken chains. KFC introduced it a roasted line of, of uh, chicken as well. And so Kenny Rogers Roasters entered chapter 11 bankruptcy in march of 1998 Mm. and was bought by nathan's famous the hot dog really yeah yeah uh for 1.25 million which i can't believe they bought the whole kenny rogers roasters company for 125 million (laughs) dollars
0: i mean you can scoop up anything for a bargain whenever they enter chapter 11 it's ridiculous i guess so
1: um, but I mean at 425 restaurants around the world and they bought it for 125. It's like yeah, they, that happened in 99. By 2000 the chain was down to 90 franchise restaurants, 40 of those in the US. Nathan's famous uh, divested itself of Kenny Rogers in 2008. They sold it to a company owned by that Bergea group that already owned a ton of uh, of Kenny Rogers uh, stuff. And the last Kenny Rogers Roasters operating in North America was located in the Ontario Mills Mall in Ontario, California. And it closed December thirty-first, twenty eleven. Damn. Yeah. Yeah. So we we I had suspected that I was like, I bet we're gonna find out that there's one like on a random community college campus somewhere that's like this holding on, but I was but I was no. hoping so.
0: <laughs> so like are there are there still some open? You said that was the last one in North America, right?
1: Yes. Um and Nathan's continues to serve Kenny Rogers roasters items in select locations, mm. such as its flagship location on Coney Island. I don't know how accurate this still is, but Apparently, you, you can still go get a Kenny Rogers chicken thing what? if you go to the Coney Island. Yeah.
0: <laughs> oh, my God. I think that's uh, that's our best bet to get some yeah. Kenny Rogers roasters because <laughs> not only that, we get a trip to Coney Island out of it.
1: Yeah, that's a good day. We just have to get Ernie Sabella to go with us, the guy that played the naked guy on, uh, on the train when Jerry went <laughs> to Coney
0: Island. You know, I know one of the guys who has competed in uh, the – Nathan's famous hot dog eating contest on really? July 4th yeah he's uh he's a professional wrestler oh. and I, I don't like know him well I wouldn't say we're friends uh yeah but I could like maybe get tips from him on like where to actually go I don't know probably yeah. not he probably wouldn't even respond to my DM
1: <laughs> yeah I think Coney Island is probably pretty easy to navigate once you get down yeah. there I mean, it's probably yeah. all just one big we don't need don't any know. pro
0: tips. <laughs>
1: yeah, and I, uh, I
0: say that now as we get lost two hours into our Coney Island trip.
1: Yeah, yeah. We just—they won't let us off the roller coaster. <laughs> like what? Why? <laughs> um. So, but a lot of research that I did on Kenny Rogers Roasters indicated that if you have a fast food chain restaurant, you hope for the kind of success that Kenny Rogers Roasters has in Asia. According really? to a Mashed article from last year, around 400 locations still exist in Malaysia, the Philippines, Indonesia, India, Thailand, and several other countries. Huh. Yeah, it's still like a super popular fast food joint uh, over there. <laughs> <laughs> and Kenny Rogers, although he has no active involvement in the business, he has an arrangement where they still use his name and likeness and he gets annual payments. I would love to know what those checks are.
0: Oh, my God. Yeah. Yeah.
1: I, I just picture him like Jerry a couple episodes ago signing all these Kenny Rogers royalty
0: checks that come in the mail
1: from Asia.
0: Hopefully they're uh, consolidated into one single check yeah. in, instead of being like one check for each restaurant. Yeah. Or each meal sold. Like, oh, my God. <laughs> damn. Each restaurant sends him a book of checks for yeah, each month that they're open. <laughs>
1: yeah Fuck. for every meal that's sold oh my gosh <laughs> all right i gotta do it <laughs> oh wait kenny rogers is dead oh holy shit. crap i forgot he died that's at the beginning right. he of 2020 died last year yeah oh, everyone was God. like he died like right when everything was shutting down and everyone was like kenny rogers dying at the beginning of the pandemic is the most uh you got to know when to fold him shit i have ever seen <laughs> <laughs>
0: Oh man! Yeah, I forgot yeah. all about that.
1: I can't believe we went the whole episode. People were probably like screaming, like, "Why don't you guys mention that Kenny Rogers is dead?" And now we just started, and and I was talking about how he was making so much bank from this for the past five minutes, and, and then it finally occurred to me, like, "Oh yeah, what? Kenny Rogers is signing checks every month."
0: His estate, I guess. I I don't know. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't know. I don't know who's in charge of his estate now. Like, uh his uh, his recordings and and uh, yeah, yeah. all of his IP Kenny
1: Rogers Jr. I don't know who I don't know if he has a son or family Oh my gosh Wow Well uh, rest in power Jesus Kenny Rogers Christ.
0: <laughs>
1: Yeah So someone is I, I'm guessing that yeah the estate is probably still making money from the use of his likeness I can't think that that contract would expire just because he did um, But yeah so, <laughs> that's all I know about uh, Kenny Rogers roasters. <laughs> so, if we ever, if we ever, you know, make enough Patreon money for a flight to Malaysia, um, or or Indonesia, let's let's uh, go with Alan next time he heads over yeah. to Asia. Oh my god, he, now that so would fun. be, yeah, now that would be the guy to to, to bring you around uh, with his <laughs> wife, and and but we'll make sure to go to Kenny Rogers roasters. He's over there so much. We got to ask him if he's ever seen one or or been to one while he was over there. <laughs>
0: I mean, neither of us work with him anymore. I, yeah, I, yeah. I feel like I, I tweet back and forth with him yes. once every couple of months. Uh, yeah. may, maybe I'll send him a text, but yeah. oh my God, <laughs> not not seeing him every single day has uh, severely limited our communication.
1: Yeah, yeah, that, that'll happen.
0: Uh, so what about by Menon?
1: The uh, little tagline that used to be at the end of commercials, certain commercials made by this one company, uh, Menon was founded in 1878. A brand still owned in most parts of the world by Colgate Palmolive. Its most notable product, Menin Speed Stick, Lady Speed Stick, and Teen Spirit were U.S. market leaders among deodorants for many years. Uh, And in North America, those products, as well as Skin Bracer and Afta, Aftershave, are still being marketed as being by Menin, uh, where the name is still well known and holds positive Hmm. connotations here in in North America, I guess. enough people remember. And if they see it, even though the jingle's not in use anymore, uh, you know, they'll see that and go, oh, yeah, by Menin. And I use, I don't use Speed Stick. I think I used to. I think maybe, maybe not my first deodorant, but like, and definitely an early one was a was a Speed Stick. I remember that white, you know, tube. And um, and I still use Afta pre shave lotion because I use an electric shaver oh, instead of shaving cream. Okay. So yeah, yeah, I use that. Um, so and I did not know that was by Menon. It was really tough to track down the history because it, it's you'd figure that jingle be, would be a part of the Menon. Wikipedia page or something but it wasn't so I was like googling you know who wrote this jingle and stuff and I finally found out that Doug Katsaros wrote by Menon and he has written or played music or done arrangements for about two dozen gold or platinum records for everyone from Elton John, Bon Jovi, Sinatra, Rod Stewart, Cher, Aerosmith, Michael Bolton He's done tons of Broadway and film. He did not <laughs> He did network themes for TNT, CBS, NBC, and ABC. Uh, and wow. he's also written music for commercials for, I mean, everything from Nintendo to Heinz to Lipton to CoverGirl to Visa to JCPenney. It's, uh, he's worked a ton. He has an Emmy nomination for composing the music for the animated TV series The Tick, which I loved uh, on Fox. <laughs> and uh, that, there's a little Seinfeld connection there because Patrick Warburton, who's putty, he played The Tick in a live-action Uh, version that they tried on Fox um, back in the early 2000s. And he won an Emmy Award for writing the original song for the 85th anniversary of the Macy's Thanksgiving Day Parade in 2012. And for a completely negotiable commission fee, he will write you any piece of music that you want, from heavy metal to a full symphony, and then he'll record it or he'll perform it live. Uh, Yeah, if you just go to themusicofyourdreams.com, You can get this, you know, Emmy and Grammy Award nominated and winning musician to write you the ultimate, you know, if you have a song idea, he will, like, just work with you. And, you know, I'm sure it costs thousands and thousands of dollars, but, you know, you can make it happen. That's awesome. (laughs) Yeah, it is pretty cool. Yeah, he's got a really, I mean, I I would recommend, like, looking around that website because, A, his bona fides are interesting to to look through and, like, you know, all the people he's played synth and piano for um like that song adia by elton john from that broadway musical i think um he, he either played piano on that or, or something and yeah it's it's just an interesting site to look through and then also to see his process of like what you get for your money when you commission a song from him is, is pretty interesting so yeah doug uh what's his name doug katsaros that's his name uh we both really liked the actor who played roger ipswich and that is michael d roberts And he has been around for a long time. He played the role of Rooster in the 70s TV series Beretta. And he starred in the short-lived 1983 series Manimal, appearing in five of the eight total episodes that aired. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, In 77, he moved to feature films uh, with a movie called Hero Work. Then he was in the last Steve McQueen movie, The Hunter, in 1980. He was in a movie I love called Ice Pirates. It's a great, like... Science Jesus. fiction, like, mystery science theater style. Like, they've never done it. I would love to see them do it. But, um, yeah, it's it's a, a really fun 80s science fiction comedy called Ice Pirates. And he was in that. And 88, he played Vern in Rain Man. He's the, uh, the one that uh, Raymond calls my main man, my main man Vern. Uh, he <clears throat> works at the institution where Raymond lives in that movie. And most recently, he was in A Star is Born, playing someone named Maddie but I've oh, never seen it. Geez. So yeah, so he's still still out there working, tons of TV. I mean, most recently the Heather's TV reboot and he uh, was in, ugh. yeah, the, the, the much heavily edited and also <laughs> always delayed, they were always the- like, all right, Heather's is coming out and then there'd be a school shooting. And they're like, all right, Heather's is coming out, another school, sh- like you
0: guys are just gonna have
1: to make it come out because there's never not gonna be a school shooting.
0: This exact thing that happened with that Heather's TV reboot happened yeah. on an episode of Bojack Horseman years prior to them even filming that Heathers TV pilot. What's the similarity? Uh, there was a movie that was coming out and it focused on like a woman taking her revenge and there was like shootouts at a mall, a church uh, and a movie theater <laughs> and geez. then and then mass shootings kept popping up at malls and churches and movie theaters yeah and then they decided to finally edit out all of the gun violence. And then the entire movie was the main character showing up at the mall and saying, Hi, can you tell me where the H&M is? Yeah, it's right over there. <laughs> and they said, yeah. well, it sucks, but at least it'll make a good commercial for H&M. Mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> That's crazy that they thought of that storyline before, a-
0: before it actually happened. That's wild. <laughs> I mean, you know, it's like one of those things that... I'm just surprised that... I mean, yes. TV reboot aside, rebooting a beloved property, a cult classic property like Heather's, uh, someone thought a TV show focusing on student who goes, I I guess, coming back to what we thought was a Seinfeld term, going postal and bringing a gun to school would work this far into the 21st century.
1: Yeah, yeah. Like, that's what we want to see. We want to see that comedically play out. Yeah, (laughs) yeah. yeah t-
0: we can still joke about it at this point, like no why <laughs> why like i I mean, we only have like I don't know thirteen of them happening every week, yeah, yeah, exactly
1: it's like we, they, we, they thought we there was gonna see be a little out for humor. they thought there was gonna be a lull where they were like, oh we can yeah this will yeah, we can bring this out at some point i I actually had to when I found out he was in it, I was like, did that ever come out and i, I guess it did on you know whatever paramount plus it used it did be called.
0: Yeah. uh um, t- cBS all access, I think.
1: No, no it was definitely it was before CBS all access merged with Paramount plus or whatever because paramount had their own mm. thing or something or maybe it was no. on the Paramount Channel
0: oh yeah that's what it was it was it was on paramount Network it was uh oh, okay it, it wasn't on like a native streaming site although it, it might be streaming on Paramount plus now
1: yeah I think it probably is uh, yeah it was on the paramount network yeah yeah so I forgot that that existed for a little bit
0: I forgot the Paramount Network was a thing. That's what took yeah. over uh, Spike TV.
1: Right, right. It was. It's so weird having cable. Ever since you know, like I remember when it was the Nashville Network. And, yeah. And then the Nashville Network became TNN, and yeah. then TNN became whatever. You know, it's like that. That television outlet has just been called had so many names. <laughs> it's crazy. And that's
0: that's all in the last twenty five years.
1: Yeah, yeah. What is it now? Uh, Is it back to Spike, or is it just gone? I
0: I think it's still Paramount Network. I think think Paramount Network is still a thing, and probably all of their commercials are just ads for Paramount+. Plus.
1: Yeah, yeah. Yeah, evidently it is still around. (laughs) Wow. Another interesting TV show that had not made news when I was doing this research but was trending on Twitter yesterday. Did you see this? Girl Meets World. He was on an episode of that. Did you see... Oh, I don't know why it was trending. It was trending because people were sharing these clips that are like, maybe they're maybe in context they weren't, but they were like just really, I don't know, people were calling it problematic, you know? Okay. Um, yeah, like the way they dealt with certain weird topics, uh, people were like, what? I can't believe. Um, <laughs> like, did you know, one clip that I shared, I don't know if it's problematic, but so Ben Savage, you know, was in that. Well, Fred Savage was on the show playing a college professor that I guess like assaults uh, or, or puts the moves on uh, Topanga alone in her dorm room or something like that. And then they hey. bring it to the disciplinary board or something. But one clip that everybody was um, was posting was when it, it's like a a, a a diatribe against communism that seems like ripped out of a 1940s. PSA where they explain like why capitalism is great and why communism always fails and, and it's like I can't even do it justice explaining it because I was like this is so it was like directly from the House on Un American Activities transcripts like <laughs> it was so funny. <laughs> like, oh my gosh, this is weird. Uh yeah.
0: <laughs> oh so, my lord. yeah, just do a
1: little sir. you know, do a Twitter search and, and look through some of the videos because they're they're pretty funny. Um, this guy was also on the Michael Richards show, Bosom Buddies, Quantum Leap, The Incredible Hulk, Friends, MacGyver, the original, not the reboot, uh, Parks and Rec. Oh, he was on an episode of The Sweet Life of Zach and Cody, of course, in 2006, playing Henry. Uh, and according to his IMDb bio, he is a Scientologist. Just thought I'd throw uh... that in at the end. <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> yep, there's that.
0: Uh, okay, o- honestly, like. <laughs> I feel like Scientologists have, at this point have kind of made, like, the anti-hero turn much like George W. Bush has.
1: Oh, yeah. You, why do you say that?
0: <laughs> because there's so much, like, bigger evil and, 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 oh, yeah. and, and like, bigger punching bags, I think.
1: <laughs> right, right. Yeah. It's like, all right, we can't deal with this now. Like, we like, could... <laughs> yeah. like,
0: like how in 2018 everyone was like, man, I know he sucks shit, but I kind of miss George W. Bush. <laughs>
1: Yeah, yeah, I know. <laughs> he and John Boehner are on this like revisionist history tour, where it's like, "Oh man, I was always against stuff like this." It was like, "Shut, Shut your mouth. Oh my gosh! No, All you
0: right. weren't.
1: Yeah, I <laughs> <laughs> oh, I can't believe what politics is like now. I uh, it was better when I was in around and uh, what? now you're this. There's a straight line from you to this. Um, anyway, not <laughs> to not to get, not to get on, on, yeah, on. a tangent. Tank McNamara. Let's talk about that uh, because Jerry will not give Seth the wand ads because he hasn't read Tank McNamara yet. And that is, I guess, still an ongoing daily syndicated comic strip written and wow. illustrated by Bill Hines at first in as many as 350 daily papers at one point. And I say at one point because I'd find it hard to believe that there were still 350 <laughs> daily papers in America. But at one point, Tank <laughs> McNamara was in that many. Uh, and it oh. debuted in August of 1974 with Jeff Miller as writer and Hines as illustrator. And then Hines took over writing and illustrating after Miller passed away in November of 2012 due to cancer. And Tank McNamara is a local sports television reporter who used to be an NFL defensive lineman. And the strip focuses primarily on contemporary American athletics, which allows it to remain topical and also dabble in related subjects like politics and social issues. Uh, For instance, they do the Sports Jerk of the Year Award every year. Uh, where readers nominate the figure they found the most jerk-like in the uh, past year, and they vote on who was the worst. Previous winners include Terrell Owens. He's won twice. Uh, Mm -hmm. Bud Selig has won twice. Dan Snyder. uh, John Rocker. uh, Let me see. Ronald Curry. Roberto Alomar. In 2014, the sports jerk of the last 40 years uh, to mark the strip's 40th anniversary was won by Lance Armstrong, and Dennis Rodman and Pete Rose were runners-up. And then in 2020, the sports jerk of the year was coronavirus, because Uh, there were pretty much no sports. Yeah. because Of
0: of course. Yeah.
1: Yep. And the horror, the horror. That's what um, Jay Peterman says when Elaine shows him the urban sombrero. Jay Peterman's behavior in Burma, not just that, but a lot of it is a direct parody of Colonel Kurtz, played by Marlon Brando in Apocalypse Now during the Vietnam War. So here's what Apocalypse Now is about. During the Vietnam War, a U.S. Army Special Forces uh, colonel, Walter Kurtz, has apparently gone insane and is waging a brutal guerrilla war against Vietnamese forces without permission, directions, or resupply from his commanders. At an outpost in Cambodia, he commands American and Vietnamese troops who see him as a demigod, and Martin Sheen is sent in to assassinate him. And now in the last scene of The Chicken Roasters, uh, you know, Jay Peterman whispers, the horror, the horror, and that's what uh, Kurtz utters when, spoiler alert, he's being killed by martin sheen in the movie Ah, oh, spoilers yeah, tim i know i know that's how it ends uh but you know what? i think the movie's like especially the apocalypse now redo or redux however you want to say that that's like i don't know three or four hours long so it's about the journey you know it's about the journey uh <laughs> and peterman also uses line you're an errand girl sent by grocery clerks to collect a bill which i thought was a weird phrase to use and that is a line Marlon Brando says to Martin Sheen in Apocalypse Now only says you're an errand boy sent by grocery clerks to Mm. collect a bill. So yeah. Um, and here's some more trivia and tidbits about the episode. It was inspired by a couple of real events. Uh, Alec Berg and, uh, what's Schaefer's first name? I don't remember. Uh, they've been wanting to do a story in which Kramer's apartment was bathed in red light for years because Schaefer's brother had an apartment like that. I guess there was a big sign outside and they're like, Oh, that would be funny. And Uh, He lived across from the Empire Hotel, and that was the red light that would Ah. would just cover his apartment. However, they were unable to develop the idea into a story until they heard of a law office, which was hanging up signs above a Kenny Rogers roasters. In 1996, a New York City lawyer located directly above a Kenny Rogers roasters put a sign above the store claiming the food was bad because he was annoyed by the bright lights of the restaurant signage. And supposedly the smell, too, would like waft up. I read that in in a couple (laughs) of other places. And a court sided with the lawyer saying the sign was protected under his First Amendment right. Unlike Kramer, though, Lichtman said he never liked the chicken in the first place. I think the food is bad. I think it's salty, it's greasy, and its consistency is poor. Uh, (laughs) So he was uh, allowed to keep his sign up. And so that that really happened. It said, like, bad chicken or something above Kenny Rogers
0: Roasters. (laughs) But did he yell out the window, screaming to (laughs) passersby, going, bad chicken, mess you up? Mess you up. I don't know.
1: I don't know. I wonder if that would be covered under his First Amendment, you know, free speech. Uh, I don't know. Uh, The real Kenny Rogers Roasters restaurant chain initially balked at this episode, claiming that the scene in which Jerry covers everyone's food with rat fur would be bad publicity. And the writers said they would change that storyline, but they admitted later they were lying and they had no... Uh, ideas or plans for a rewrite. <laughs> so they just did it anyway. Uh, but in the end, supposedly Kenny Rogers himself supported the episode and said it was excellent publicity, free publicity and the <laughs> restaurant supplied the cast and crew with a catered dinner.
0: Wow. Wait. Yeah. One, one catered dinner for like an entire 30-minute <laughs> commercial? I feel like that's uh a, a pretty lopsided trade-off
1: <laughs> well yeah i think they let them film either in a real i still can't figure out because i saw in the wikipedia article it did say that they filmed a little bit in a real kenny rogers roasters but i still don't know that that really seemed tv set ish to me it didn't look like a real restaurant it didn't look like on location shooting seinfeld on location shooting looks has a certain look to it and that didn't have it you know yeah um so i i, I don't i still don't know whether They just brought stuff in what they furnished the you know, the the containers all have the logo on it and stuff. So, you know, that was from them. But um, yeah, just just one dinner, though. Oh, well, Kramer actor Michael Richards was pretty much a vegan, I guess, at this point. So during the scene where Kramer eats chicken in bed, he actually only chewed chicken skin and then spit it into a bucket between takes. Mm -hmm. um it didn't it really didn't look like that to me but I I I found that somewhere but but also you know they they normally do that with eating scenes anyway and I talked about that when Wayne Knight I was talking about Wayne Knight um annihilating that chicken leg I was like I wonder how many of those he actually had to eat or if he just like held it in his mouth and and spit it out because that's normally the way they do it they won't eat but who did I hear man there's an actor I remember hearing a story about that like just would eat everything and didn't want the spit bucket I don't know. I don't know who that was. It's like a funny story, though. It's like, no, he just ate every single thing that was in
0: front of him, like, every take. Um, <laughs> I, I'm i not sure who that is, but I know on the opposite end of the spectrum is Zach Braff, who, when, if you look at any of the cafeteria scenes in Scrubs, his plate is always empty. Huh. No, I never noticed that. Yeah. He never, he never even sits down with food. That, at least that's what he said on their uh, podcast. Yeah. Um, I, I, I haven't gone back to watch it, so th- I'm sure there's like some scenes where he has food and he just doesn't attempt to eat it, yeah, or yeah. like cut into it or anything, because he said like it's just a hassle with continuity.
1: Yeah, how much food is left on there, or you know the food gets old and you have to replace it, and yeah. Uh, according to director Andy Ackerman, Jerry Seinfeld pulled off his Kramer impression as perfectly at the first rehearsal as he does in the finished episode. Uh, So that's pretty funny. Uh, Scenes which were filmed but deleted before broadcast include the silhouette of Mr. Marbles approaching Jerry with a knife. So I guess I did actually see a knife at the end of the episode when Mr. Marbles, uh, you know, passes in front of Jerry in his apartment. George cleaning mustard off of his sable hat. And this one sounds like I I wish they would have left this one in. Elaine tracking Peterman by noting Myanmar natives wearing clothes from the J. Peterman catalog. Like well dressed. Oh god! Yeah. Rugged outdoorsy Myanmar natives. Are uh, you I think that kidding sounds,
0: me? That would have been I think so that sounds, good. Yeah, I
1: know. <laughs> yeah, I think that sounds pretty funny.
0: And you could have done that in a five second shot too.
1: Yeah, yeah. It's a shame we had to drop it. Uh, Seth's blowing off an important meeting to catch up with Jerry was also based on a real-life encounter with the writers Alec Berg and Jeff Schaefer. Uh, They had a college buddy, also named Seth, and they ran into him while walking the streets of New York, and they were like in the middle of lunch. He was talking about his new job and how he was part of this panel that just formed, and they were going to do this big new project, and we were like, oh, that sounds exciting. He goes, yeah, that's actually looks at watch kind of where I'm supposed to be right now. And we realized that he had blown this giant meeting just to see us, and we were just really being polite, <laughs> kind of like Jerry was like, not even really. He was like, we weren't even really good friends. Jerry was like, come on, let's go to lunch. Let's go. Like just being nice to this guy. And this guy blew up. I'm like, wow, that, that's crazy. It actually happened. Jerry and Seth's mutual friend Moochie was named after a high school friend of the real Jerry Seinfeld as well. <laughs> mm-hmm. Do uh, we Michael know Richards? for sure yeah.
0: if that real Moochie has since passed away?
1: I, d- I don't know. <laughs> if I ever meet Jerry, though, i got another question for him. Hey, whatever happened to Moochie? The real Moochie. <laughs> oh, he died. Oh, uh, we can play it out exactly like Jerry and Seth do in the in the episode. Uh, Michael Richards won his third and final Emmy for the series with this episode, which is pretty good. You know, we were talking about how great his acting as Jerry was. And so, oh, you know, yeah. to see him do a little something extra, uh, I'm glad he won something for this. Berg and Schaefer had a friend named Billy who was living in Russia for a time and wanted to buy a Russian hat. But he'd been warned that some of the hats were made of nutria fur, which flies everywhere if it gets wet. Berg and Schaefer became interested in working this into the episode, especially since they liked the phrase "rat hat," which I did too. <laughs> it's a rat hat, and that's all. The, that's all. I know it was long this week, but there was a lot of information. A lot of hope. Oh man! Uh, all
0: right. Do we have any like news or anything?
1: um in the name of brevity i'll only go over the one that's really timely because us weekly talked to jason alexander for some reason this week and uh, they asked him where george costanza would be today and without getting into spoilers um let me see i'll just say that uh, he said uh my imagining is that george is probably quarantined in with his parents and refuses to leave the room he only eats through some sort of food app and will not come out of his room his parents are wearing 15 masks (laughs) <laughs> um, he would not be weathering the pandemic very well I'm sure so that's uh, that's what he said about uh, again I don't know why they were speaking to him but that's it uh, and evidently <laughs> Jason Alexander the man has been baking a lot in really uh, quarantine yeah and then also Michael Richards uh, is being sued by someone named Maxine Adams claiming that Michael Richards and his wife Beth walked over to her Pacific Palisades property on April 2nd and maliciously cut quote Brazilian pepper trees and underbrush from their property so michael richards went over and cut down this woman's trees Because they they couldn't see the ocean to improve their ocean views, um, and the woman says the trees were thirty years old. Doesn't this sound like something Kramer would do? <laughs> I, I
0: remember I remember tweeting something about this on on the no hugging account, and yeah. I I had forgotten all about it. I mean it's been uh, it's been like three weeks. <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah. So there were two foot trees, and they I guess they blocked Michael Richards view of the ocean that uh, he used to have, and that's and, that sounds uh, like
0: a B plot. That sounds like a Kramer B plot.
1: Yeah, they go back to the Hamptons and they cut down someone else's trees at their beach house or something. Uh, yeah, Adams claims she can't bring in any new large trees and instead she will have to plant smaller ones that'll take twenty years to reach the height of her old ones or cost her more than sixty-two thousand dollars. Jeez, bullshit! What kind of trees? What kind of tiny little saplings cost sixty-two grand?
0: Yeah, well uh, I. I don't know if she's thinking of getting the saplings or maybe getting a tree that's already like five to ten years old, so oh, that it'll yeah, yeah. it'll already right. be like ten feet tall.
1: Yeah, I guess. Um, yeah, I guess it doesn't have to be a sapling, but like just start there. I don't know. <laughs> Save yourself <laughs> sixty two grand. Go to Lowe's Garden Center. Uh, she's <laughs> suing for that amount plus at least another two hundred thousand for the loss of aesthetic value to property. Michael Richards or his wife Beth had no uh, comment to TMZ about the story. They haven't heard back anyway. So, yeah, pretty interesting little caper that he's gotten himself himself into.
0: Oh, man. (laughs) And that is it. All right. If you have never listened to us before, we are not a research-heavy show. Despite the last 33 minutes uh, being almost (laughs) exclusively research... Uh, we like to have our questions come up naturally in the run of the episode and assign them to ourselves the week following as though we are giving ourselves homework. Uh, if we miss anything, if we egregiously skip over something, please send us an email or send us a tweet. It's at nohugging on Twitter or nohugging, nolearningshow at gmail.com. Both of those links are in the description or on the show description page on Apple Podcasts. Uh, if you like what you hear, please give us a five star rating and/or a written review. Well, I. I guess you can only do the written review if you also give us the five stars, but you Mm. could also just give us the five stars. That's that's totally fine. But whichever you do, if you do one, if you do both, let us know. We'll send you an awesome no-hugging, no-learning holographic sticker free of charge. Uh, We just need your mailing address so that we can send that out to you. Um, Or if you just want to send us an email with what you think of the show, that's appreciated too. I I mean, that way both of us can read it, although I don't – I don't know if you still have access nope, to the email. No, still not in. Okay, good. I still good.
1: have no idea
0: how to get in. <laughs> Jesus. I've given you the password how many times?
1: Yeah, I know, but then it asked me for like, you know, triple layer security. And, it, and I'm like, I don't know what. They're like, go to this device and hit yes. I'm like, I don't know what you're talking about. I can't get also,
0: in. So we have to coordinate because it's probably my tablet. Uh, probably. That it's, that it's asking you to go to. Yeah. Oh, my God. Uh, okay, so this week we've got Season 8, Episode 9, The Abstinence. Original air date November 21st, 1996. I was three years, 11 months, and one day old. Uh, and Tim, if you're counting this episode and every other episode we've got left, we have 36 episodes until we become a um, Hollywood vandalism podcast. No, I I was thinking like with Michael Richards and uh, cutting down trees. Oh, I like that. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. I don't. I don't know how much. (laughs) uh, How much of a run we'd get out of that.
1: We could probably do, um, you know, Hollywood neighbor feuds. You know, because those are always popping up in the news. Like this Hollywood person like threw something over the fence of the of their neighbor. You know, there might be something there. Delve into a
0: might be these are all Uh, free ideas by the way if literally anyone (laughs) wants to start one of these ideas these are all free to have
1: (laughs) yeah we're obviously not as enthusiastic about this one as as some of the other ones but
0: (laughs) (laughs) if both of us are like yeah that that could be something maybe Jesus. Uh, Okay, so if you're looking at TV Guide the Night of November 21st, 1996, you are going to see George benefits when his new girlfriend's illness requires their abstinence. Hmm.
1: Not bad. We'll see uh, what we can do with it at the end. Um, We start with a cold open, and George and Jerry are sitting on a stoop. Uh,
0: Whose stoop is this? Where are we? (laughs) I have no idea. The the only thing... (laughs) The only thing, like, I really remarked about the beginning of this shot was, oh, my God, this crane shot. Who, yeah. who brought in the crane? I like this. It's different. Yeah,
1: it does. <laughs> it starts up from, like, uh, like we're kind of, like, in a shot of a tree in the side of a building, right? And then and yeah. then it pans down to George and, and Jerry at street level. Yeah, you're right. Ambitious. Very ambitious cinematography.
0: <laughs> but, yeah, whose who's stoop are they sitting on? Yeah, I don't think Jerry's
1: Jerry has like that awning over like like a classic doorway, and I don't think George has a stoop
0: like this. I'm like, did they just pick a stoop and, and they're just stooping it? You know, like I can guess just, that's not so bad. I guess this is a question for any of our New York listeners. Can you just sit on anyone's stoop? Is yeah. that is that considered trespassing?
1: And take up the entire stairway?
0: Yeah. Can, can, <laughs> just can you just whatever you're eating frozen yogurt? Can you just block up the entire doorway of someone's house? Eating ice cream or frozen yogurt?
1: Yeah. Let us know. George <laughs> asks if George, Jerry, and Kramer were flying over the Andes, who would you eat to survive? And Jerry says, Kramer. Uh, well, George expected him to be picked because he's plump and and uh, Jerry's like, no, m- Kramer's got more muscle, higher premium content. And George is insulted that Jerry wouldn't eat him if they were in a situation <laughs> like the movie Alive. I think this movie has come up before about the soccer team that, that this happened to. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, uh, and so that's where George got the question. We're on, a, you know, he's like, "We're going to why are we going to Chile?" He's like, "Oh, we're going to a soccer game or something like that." <laughs> soccer? Why are we flying over the Andes? We have a soccer game in Chile or something like that. And yeah, uh, and George is, is insulted that, uh, but I like that Jerry's like, "Well, if if someone was cooking you, I'd have a bite or something. Like, if someone was already having you, I, I'd try it or something like that." <laughs> to, I did like, to that, like George's just like, "Thank you, thank you." <laughs> Uh, It kind of like the whole, it's very much in the same line as his emotions revolving around the cult. You know, it's like, well, I don't want to be in the cult, but I wanted to be invited. It's like, well, no, I don't want to be eaten, (laughs) but I'd like to be first picked if that's what it comes down to, if I have no say. In George's apartment, we start with another weird shot. I wonder if if this was directed by a different, like not Andy Ackerman or something, because we've already had this weird crane shot. And we start with a very shocking POV shot, but I thought it was good. This was like a good shock opener to have a woman's face like take up the entire frame of your TV and she's saying, George, I can't have sex. It's like it reminded me of the way a stand up would come out and go, uh, so I don't have a penis. And that like, you know, <laughs> is just kind of a shocking way. Like, oh, l- let me back up. You know, and then they start their bit. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah. You know, that device? Yeah. It's like you'd come out, say something shocking that out of context is kind of funny, and then, you know, rewind and, and go back in. It's like it's a device that you know I've, I've seen in stand-up, and I, I like the way they used it here. I thought it was a good way to to open this up. At first, I hated how much of her face was in my face. I was like, ah! <laughs> <laughs> but uh, George's reply is, "With me or in general." <laughs> <laughs> And it turns out uh, she has mono and George, I love George's response. How long is this not going to be a problem for me? <laughs> How long is this not going to be a problem for me? Cause he has to be, you know, cool that, you know, pretend like oh, yeah, not it's, 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 not a, it's not a problem. Yeah. yeah. How long is it not going to be a problem for me? Uh, and then we cut to Jerry's apartment where he tells Jerry, uh, it'll be six weeks that uh, they'll have to abstain. Uh, by the way, Superman is on the shelf and on the fridge and, Jerry's like, so what? Six weeks? You've done that before. And George is like, oh, please, I can do six weeks with my eyes closed or standing on my head or something. He said, uh, I'm a sexual camel, but that's beside the point. Uh, you know, now at least there was the possibility of sex. And Jerry's like, so are you going to break up with her? He's like, nah, I don't want to be one of those guys. You're like, one of what guys? Like, like us.
0: <laughs> that was so good. Oh, my God. <laughs> and
1: Jerry knows exactly what he's talking Oh, yeah, yeah. And Elaine enters and she has met a doctor and. Jerry says, I thought the whole dream of wanting to date a doctor has been debunked. And then they did this bit about bunked that I hated. (laughs) I really hated because they acknowledged that, you know, it it could have been our typical, oh, you like bunk? I thought bunk was good. No, bunk is bad. You you get bunked and then you Mm -hmm. get debunked and then you bunk it again and then you get bunked. But they would usually just let that slide. But they dwell on this and they acknowledge their wordplay. Even George is like, like, no, then you get debunked, I think. And then they all kind of stare off into space, and then they're like, but anyway, I'm like, no, <laughs> don't acknowledge it. Just, it's part of your speech,
0: you know? You can clearly tell as we get later on into the series that these uh, water cooler talk the next day isms yeah. uh, have gotten so forced.
1: Yeah, this one was the, 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 it almost ruined the entire episode for me. I, I just really? keep going. I I keep coming back to this bit where I'm like, man, this is a great episode, and then I'm like, ah, oh, but it did have that debunk thing in the middle. That uh, wow, you know, okay, it's it's like finding a hair in, in your food at a restaurant. You okay. know, I mean, you could be okay. eating the best steak ever, but one little tiny hair, which again they've talked about on on Seinfeld, that could just ruin the whole meal for you. I'm like, oh man, but the debunked bit, you know that that didn't taste good. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Katie calls. As you might remember, she's Jerry's manager. We met her in the Diplomat Club back in Season 6, Episode 22. Uh, Katie calls with a Dayton, Ohio date. That's in Ohio, Jerry, she says. Uh, But (laughs) he can't make it on that Tuesday, which is weird, like a a stand-up, like a one-off stand-up date on a Tuesday. And I don't know, it just seems kind of a weird gig. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, Jerry can't do it because he's doing career day at his old junior high school and George is once again insulted that he has not been invited. We cut to Edward R. Murrow junior high, which is kind of real in Brooklyn, but it's a high school, not a junior high. Uh, mm-hmm. That opened in 1974. It's at 1600 Avenue L. This is, you know, so they, th- this is Edward R. Murrow High School that you see in this shot. But um, it's, it's a different exterior than one you're going to see if you look it up on Google Maps like I did, which you probably won't. But at first I was kind of confused. I was like, <laughs> that doesn't look like, oh, it is. So it's real. Uh, and Jerry is bumped on career day for a guy with a lizard from the Bronx Zoo that the kids just love. And so can you come back tomorrow? We cut to O'Neill's, which we've also been to in at least two other episodes, The Puffy Shirt. And this is where Todd Gack brings Elaine to meet his parents in the Calzone. It is now closed. Um, I'm sure I talked about it probably in both of those episodes. Uh, 49 West. Yeah. 49 West 64th Street. It's
0: now Atlantic Grill. And Elaine is out to dinner with Bob Odenkirk this was so surprising to me cuz we we've already had the Deborah Jo Rupp cameo reprising her role of Katie now we have Bob yes. Odenkirk and we're not halfway done with the cameos in this episode
1: oh far from it yeah i mean i, I forgot that you know the the uh, Katie was from um that 70s show and uh yeah so that's she's she went on to to bigger and better things and then bob odenkirk obviously Uh, I wonder where this landed in his career pantheon. I mean, 96, end of 96, Mr. Show had to be going on at this point, Um, I would imagine.
0: I don't know if it was, was he on the Ben Stiller Show? I think the Ben Stiller Show was before Mr. Show.
1: Yeah, I think you're right, but I don't know about his involvement. Mr. Show started in November of 95, so it had been on a year at this point okay yeah so he had definitely done that and i don't know we might have to do a little dive on on where he was in his his career at this point um next week i'll write that down why not let's see bobby O, who's in theaters now in nobody which i'll probably check out whenever it's much cheaper
0: okay yeah he was in the ben stiller show which had actually ended already oh okay
1: yeah that didn't last very long anyway
0: yeah it went from uh wikipedia has got a weird issue it says uh Original release September twenty seventh, nineteen ninety two, January seventeenth, nineteen ninety three, Episode thirteen, August twenty sixth, nineteen ninety five. So I'm I'm guessing just from ninety two to ninety
1: five. Hmm. Interesting. Okay. Uh. Yeah. So we, we might still uh, dive in to see where he was in his career, maybe how he, maybe he's talked about how he ended up on on uh, on the show, but uh, he's also telling Elaine that. He's not really a doctor. He did go to medical school, but he's failed the licensing test three times. Um, <laughs> but Elaine doesn't care as long as she can introduce him as a doctor, which he does not mind. Over at George's, George and I wrote question mark question mark because we still don't know her name yet. Yeah, I was and for that matter, we don't learn Bob Odenkirk's name until much later. But I yeah, you know. that's
0: that's right. <laughs> George
1: and his girlfriend are watching TV, and he can't even touch her leg. <laughs> Like surely there's I don't know how much we want to delve into this, but I'll just say this like surely
0: there's something they can't you can do when you have mono true, but also um let's suspend our disbelief for a second maybe she knows okay if we even get started doing anything I know George George is gonna want to <laughs> have sex
1: yeah well, that's definite but I mean yeah I mean I guess the I guess the um <laughs> i guess the risk is up to him then you know <laughs> <laughs> if he like doesn't care about mono he can in the, in maybe in the throes of passion he wouldn't be able to control himself or something but um yeah i i don't i, I, don't, I i've never had mono as far as i know i think you know when you have it um you but, know you uh, know when
0: you have mono yeah you mono know it uh um, <laughs> so what's, what's worse that or bunk versus debunk <laughs> um can i say bunk <laughs> just to save some face. (laughs)
1: Um, Yeah, the the guy who makes horrible puns every week, I didn't pick up on the irony of me talking about how horrible (laughs) the debunked bit was. (laughs) Until just now. (laughs) It's do as I say, not as I do, Ted, okay? (laughs) Um, But I just find it hard to believe that they couldn't pleasure each other in some way during this whole thing. You know, does she have hand mono? That's
0: what I oh, you know. Jesus Christ. Like that's what, you know, I, all right. I, that's why I didn't want to go too far into it. I know but. I know what you mean. I know what you mean. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's we, what I say. We can move on if you want to <laughs> okay. move on. All
1: right. Well, I also wanted your input on what on whether you but <laughs> well, you don't have to give me your input on what what you think they should have done or what they shouldn't have done. I was just like, come on, you can't even touch a leg. Can't touch her leg. Um over at Monks, George is amazed by how much you can learn about somebody by just conversing with them. He was like, it was amazing. We just sat there and talked. You can learn a lot about a person by conversing. And Kramer joins Jerry and George and suggests that the junior high school is bumping Jerry to screw with his head. And Jerry's like, why would they do that? And Kramer says, why does Radio Shack ask for your phone number when you're buying batteries? I don't know. Which was a weird, I mean, just kind of outdated yeah. reference. Yeah, oh my God. I um oh. And meanwhile, Kramer pick, takes out a cigar and lights it up in the middle of Monks, and he's immediately kicked out by the manager, Larry, who I always love when he shows up. Larry always uh, brings a great performance. And so Kramer goes out on the street, and he joins a group of smokers, as well as Kyle Gass.
0: Yes! Oh, my <laughs> God. I had to rewind this whenever I saw him. I was like, was that fucking Cage? Was that Kyle Gass?
1: It was. It was KG. Oh, my out there God.
0: He looks Wild. so young.
1: yeah and, and and two that's two Mr. show cast members in one episode of Seinfeld. <laughs> <laughs> I was hoping we'd see him again, but we never do unfortunately, but it was you know he got a line, so that's good. Uh, back at the junior high, Jerry is about to go on when there's a fire drill and so everybody has to exit the building. so once again he is bumped for a fire drill this time. Uh, up in the apartment. Uh, Jerry's apartment. George is doing a Rubik's cube and answering Jeopardy questions. And Kramer runs in and grabs some matches. He asks for ashtrays and then instead grabs some cereal bowls when when Jerry tells him he doesn't have any ashtrays. Uh, Katie calls and she talks about how unprofessional the junior high is being and, she can't let this continue because, you know, pretty soon you're getting bumped by high schools and then trade schools and then colleges. And then as, uh, as soon as you know it, Letterman's not returning your calls anymore. George explains that he's been thinking a lot clearer once Jerry notices that he's answering all these trivia questions and stuff. And uh, he's been thinking clearer. He even uh, watched a documentary. He was amazed by a documentary he watched with Louise. We finally get her <sighs> name. Here we yeah. are. Yeah, Took a while, <laughs> uh, although we've gone longer not knowing someone's name. Oh, yeah. It's been like the the credit scene where it's like, oh, what happened with you and uh, Sarah? I'm like, oh, wow. OK, this whole time that's been her name. Um, well, And Jerry is like, he's like, I have I, I know what's going on now. You're no longer preoccupied with sex. And he does a lettuce analogy where he's like, this is your intellect, this tiny little piece of lettuce. And he's like, this is the part preoccupied with sex. Now that it's not doing that, it is firing on cylinders. It's never done before. It's working like it never has before. Uh, and George, who has solved the Rubik's cube, uh, leaves because he remembers where he left his retainer in second grade, or something like that. <laughs> Kramer comes in, and he has invited the smokers to his apartment because of the way they're treated, having to stand outside in the cold. And I thought this was really it was really interesting for. Because in the 90s, you know, I mean, there were still restaurants that had smoking sections, you know. So for Kramer to go, you know, just because someone's a smoker doesn't mean they're not human. And Jerry goes, it doesn't. (laughs) (laughs) And Jerry just has like a very, a very blunt regard for smokers, like a a dislike, you know. I mean, he really thinks they don't deserve any sort of special treatment or anything. But, you know, so Kramer's invited. I, I love Jerry's. All right at the end of Kramer's explanation or whatever for wanting to bring people up. I just thought it was very funny, funny delivered.
0: I mean, to, to a degree, I guess I kind of agree with Jerry here. I mean, not to the extent of like, they are not people. But also if someone is going to get a 15 minute break every hour and a half to go smoke, I want that made up to me in like PTO or something.
1: Yeah, I totally agree with that. And I think, you know, I mean, like I won't, I won't go to a restaurant that has a smoking section. Oh you know, God, because, no! Like, no. I, I'm glad I it's illegal in a lot of places now.
0: I don't think there really are many restaurants left that have smoking sections because it was, it was outlawed a long, well, not a long time. I want to say like maybe 15 years ago or so now. Yeah. But I mean, you can still like go to like bars. I think it's like any establishment where I'm just pulling this out of my ass because I don't know the real figure, but like where 75% or greater of the sales comes from alcohol. Right, right, yeah. And,
1: and, but I used to hate when it was every bar, you know, like coming home at the end of the night and smelling like cigarettes and having to wash, like having to shower basically so you didn't like get it all over your sheets, you know, <laughs> or going to concerts where it was happening. You know, I'm like that. Uh, I, I am glad, but I, I just found that Jerry had, that they were subhuman. He was talking about them like they were subhuman. Over at Monks, Elaine is there with Bob. Odenkirk, whose name we still don't know, but we're about to learn it because Sue Ellen Mischke comes in. So another uh, throwback character, Sue Ellen Mischke comes in with Rick, her boyfriend who is a periodontist. And how about this? He does Giuliani's gums. Yikes. If there's a joke that is not aged like milk. Holy shit. Oh my gosh. It's almost like inadvertently the funniest line of the episode now. <laughs>
0: Right, I think you're right because obviously they didn't mean for it to be as funny. Because I mean, Giuliani still looked like a human being in '96.
1: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and not like a vampire goblin. Like, if if you're the periodontist that does Giuliani's gums today, you don't want anybody to know about it. You probably haven't even told your girlfriend or wife. Like, oh, I have a no, I have an appointment. <laughs> oh, really? Who's I- it? Uh, nobody. You don't know them, okay? <laughs>
0: It's for sure not, like, a bragging point. Like, you you walk out of your oh, apartment my. to go meet Rudy Giuliani for his appointment. Your wife is yeah. like, oh, wh- where are you going? Uh, <laughs> I'm cheating on you. Uh, yeah, yeah. You do and everything like- to not get them to figure out that you're going to <laughs> take care of Rudy Giuliani's gums.
1: Yeah, yeah. And if you you know, if you're doing Rudy, maybe you have other celebrity clients and you have their pictures up. but like Rudy's constantly asking why <laughs> the picture of you two together is not up in your office.
0: <laughs> oh, no, in your waiting room.
1: Oh, no uh, why, why why isn't I but put my picture up? Like oh, uh, <laughs>
0: yeah, oh yeah, we're
1: getting it's still at the framer. you know that? Seven years it's been there. I should go <laughs> get it. Julie does Giuliani's gums. <laughs> um, and Elaine introduces. Dr. Ben Gelfin, so we finally get his full name, right as a guy in monks passes out, and (laughs) Ben won't help except to yell what Sue Ellen's like, shouldn't he elevate his legs? He's like, oh yeah, uh, elevate your legs.
0: (laughs) In in, like the classic uh, Bob Odenkirk tone, too. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) That that was was great. But like, this is... So far in a way different than any like med student I've met who is either still in school or has gone on to become a doctor. They'll fucking jump at any (laughs) chance to like help some person or in their mind justify going to school for 12 (laughs) years uh just to help a, a single person i don't imagine i, I can't even picture why someone <laughs> who's gone through all the school and clearly taken the licensing exam a couple of times already just sitting there as someone is clearly in peril <laughs> yeah it's
1: it's almost i mean i think everyone probably has that idea of med students in their mind so they probably thought a non-confident <laughs> doctor would be a funny character and, and for sure it is and they got a great guy to play him too who like added that you know nerdy everyman character that Bob Odenkirk does so well to this thing he's like uh, you know he doesn't want to he doesn't want to embarrass himself because I mean when you fail it three times like that will do something to your confidence oh my you know God, yeah <laughs> I would bet I would bet so yeah it's like even if you think you're good at something sometimes you don't want to do it in front of everybody I think I just saw a great web comic I think it was a web comic that was like or maybe just a meme like me doing something I've done 10,000 times but this time in front of somebody else and it was like you know somebody with like a fishing hook through their head or something you know it's like I I swear I do this all the time and it works you know but the (laughs) one time someone's watching you know it's like when I try to parallel park when no one's around and I'm in the car by myself I I can slide into like a little tiny motorcycle spot with my car uh, but then the second that, like, someone is watching me, I, I can't get into a hummer size spot. I'm like, God, yeah, oh, Or, or, or yeah. God
0: forbid, like, waiting on you, too. Like, not, <laughs> yeah, yeah, not yeah, just watching get... you, but, like, waiting you. Like, they're trying, like, waiting for you to park so that they can just, like, drive on.
1: Yeah, yeah. So you back in, oh. like, as far as you can so they can go up the one-way street. And then, yeah, that's, that's the worst. That'll happen. Uh, so maybe that's what he's worried about. Uh, Later, Elaine is in Monk's, apologizing with flowers for the situation, and she sees George there, who is reading like a giant stack of these, you know, (laughs) books, Uh, and he's just yelling stuff like, absolute zero, of course. (laughs) In Jerry's apartment, Kramer's apartment is full of people and smoke. Katie comes to Jerry's. Now she has booked him at a full school assembly, two hours long,
0: all Jerry Seinfeld.
1: Yeah. And she's like, it's already in the school paper. And look, they canceled Rick
0: James. (laughs)
1: And I just had at this point, I was like, I can't let this wait a week. I have to know what Rick James was up to in 1996 because (laughs) it can't be good and it can't be appropriate for a junior high school. And guess what? It's worse than I would even think. Because in 1996, if this is November of 1996, in August, so just a few months ago, James had just been released from serving two years of a five-year ins- uh, prison sentence for torturing a 24-year-old woman with his girlfriend for three days while they did crack.
0: Jesus Christ!
1: Yeah. And while out on bail for that assault, they did it again to a music executive over 20 hours. And that's what he was serving uh, uh, the five-year prison, just five years, by the way, but a five-year prison sentence for like beating these two women up and holding them captive at gunpoint forcing them to do crack and uh and and torturing them in all sorts of unspeakable ways and that's who was speaking at that's the celebrity they chose to even reference in this episode like good lord he was either in jail while they were writing it or had just gotten out when they were filming it and no one thought to go hey let's say rick james what's he up to oh it doesn't matter let him speak (laughs) he's the one speaking at this junior high i'm like what oh boy Yeah, pretty wild, pretty wild. At, over at Elaine's, she is helping Ben study for the licensing test, and he's getting everything wrong. He's like, "Oh, I'm never gonna pass this thing." And Elaine's like, "Oh, uh, she's like, no, you're gonna, you're definitely going to. We'll just stop having sex, uh, because I guess, uh, you know, has she seen what it's done? Oh, yeah, she did see what it's done to George because he's reading yeah, all those well, books. So, yeah, in
0: in that uh, in that scene at monks, she asks him like, "What's with all these books?" And George just bluntly tells her, "I stopped having sex."
1: Yeah, there you go. And so she figures the same will work for Ben. Uh, Over at George's, he is giving, oh, I'm sorry, not over at George's, at Yankee Stadium. George is giving batting tips to Derek (laughs) Jeter.
0: Is that who this was? Was this Derek Jeter?
1: One of them was Derek Jeter. I don't know who the other one was.
0: Oh, my God. I I thought he looked familiar, but (laughs) was he like 21 in this?
1: Something, yeah. Oh,
0: my God.
1: Yeah, he was, he looked very young. I mean, if not his rookie year, probably close to it. And I don't know who the other guy was, but, um, George is giving batting tips to these guys and knocking it out of the park, like literally hitting home runs. And <laughs> he hit three home runs in a row. Yeah. And the guys are like, who are you again? And he's like, I'm the assistant to the traveling secretary. And they're not even really caring about the batting tips. They're like, are you the one that put us in that Ramada in Milwaukee? <laughs> and, uh, George is like, come on, are we gonna talk hotels or are we gonna win ball games here? And Jeter's like, We won the World Series. And George goes, Six games.
0: Okay, <laughs> yeah, so it looks like games. it looks like Derek Jeter was twenty two whenever this came out. Wow. Jeez. I, I
1: love this uh, this is a memeable like George holding the bat and oh, making yeah, that like I've squiggly seen this. smile. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this is always yeah in six getting like in six games that that face is used in a lot of memes uh over at monks jerry is trying out his assembly uh, his that's supposed to be two hours remember his assembly bit on george and elaine and it comes out to nine minutes <laughs> <laughs> and george speaks portuguese to the waitress uh, and I don't know if you noticed this. I feel like it's kind of an elementary Spanish joke, but I love that he ordered, obviously, like, uh, you know, two coffees, it sounds like, dos Cafes. And then he says, Ensalada Grande, big salad. He orders a big salad. Oh, my
0: God. <laughs> yeah. I didn't even pick up on that.
1: Like, uh, <laughs> emphasizing the grande, the big salad.
0: <laughs> en- Ensalada Grande, Jesus.
1: Yeah. Elaine's like, you speak Portuguese. He's like, um, my cleaning lady is Portuguese. I must have picked it up, just picked it up from hearing it. I'm um, I'm
0: wondering like what the similarities between Spanish and Portuguese are. It, it I don't think it's too far off, but obviously it it's a whole different language.
1: Yeah, and I mean they're right next to each other, so the yeah, there's got to be some crossover. Uh, you know, as much as, like, German and Swiss and stuff like that. Mm, um, mm. Yeah, so I, I bet maybe you could get by if you knew one talking to somebody who knew the other. But, yeah, there's there's got to be some differences. Meanwhile, Elaine, her, her mind, as she puts it, has been not good. Like, she can barely put a <laughs> sentence together. And it, the no sex thing, Jerry surmises, is having the reverse effect on her he was like women take for granted that anytime you want you can put some trash out and some guy in a jumpsuit will pick it up <laughs> but now it's like a garbage strike and the bags are piling up all of the streets are blocked and nothing's getting through
0: <laughs> to, to which elaine just says i don't understand jerry goes exactly
1: yeah so it's it's the opposite effect i i, I really liked I, I liked the way they pulled this off with elaine and george i thought it was funny uh, up in Jerry's apartment, Kramer comes in, and his face, as Jerry said, looks like an old catcher's mitt because he's been exposed to nothing but smoke for like three or four days. And Jerry's like, What'd you expect? He was like, Well, emphysema, birth defects, cancer, but not this. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, and we get a, another great Seinfeld moment. Look away. I'm hideous. <laughs> uh, and, and Jerry, as Kramer like stumbles out the door, I think Jerry Seinfeld, the actor kind of broke in this moment. He kind of laughs. He kind of chuckles uh, <laughs> as, as Kramer's leaving. I noticed. Over in Elaine's, she is cracking up doing a crossword puzzle because the clue is Winnie the Pooh. And she just or... laughs at that.
0: Oh, no. She Winnie she yells blank. out. Yeah. She's like, hey, Ben, I need a four letter word. Winnie the blank. And he yells back, and I'm guessing she had totally forgotten what she asked him because she's just laughing at the word poo. Yeah, and then five seconds pass by, and she's like, "Oh." <laughs> uh,
1: and then over at George's, he is looking into a microscope. He's now got a microscope, and he's doing whatever something with it. Uh, and Louise, it turns out, never had mono, so now they can have sex.
0: Not only that, did you catch this? We didn't. We never really got the clarification on who it was but she said some stupid intern screwed up my test and I never had mono.
1: Oh my gosh, you
0: think she means Dr. Ben? I think she means Dr. Ben.
1: Yeah, oh my gosh, that's hilarious. Yeah, cuz he mentioned it when he's introduced to Sue Ellen Mishke, he was like, uh, you know, she's like this is Dr. Ben Guelph. He's like, I'm just an intern and she's like, oh stop joking. But uh <laughs> wow. Yeah, no, I did not catch that. That's <laughs> definitely definitely what happened there. Uh, over at Monk's, George tells Jerry that he told her She'll have to think about it. Uh, He's like, well, maybe I can serve the world better this way. And Jerry's got a great line. Oh, you mean not subjecting women to your sexual advances?
0: (laughs) Jesus H. But I love George's (laughs)
1: response to a simple joke from a simple man. (laughs) Uh, And Jerry's like, so you're never going to have sex again? And I love George's response here. Well, you know, there was a pretty good chance I was never going to have sex again anyway. (laughs) Uh, and George is doing is you know George offered to do some of the assembly with Jerry and Jerry turned him down but now that he realizes he only has nine minutes of material George is doing the assembly with Jerry and instead of talking about the Yankees sports are so pedestrian he says uh, he's going to do some science experiences that will illuminate and educate and Jerry's like I got 20 minutes about how homework sucks Oh, Stinks. I think he says Stinks, actually. Yeah. i got 20 minutes about how homework yeah. stinks. And we cut to Jackie Child's office.
0: Oh, my God.
1: Yeah. Always I'm, great to see Jackie Child.
0: I'm getting exhausted with how many cameos are in this episode.
1: Yes. Uh, and Kramer I, Kramer barges in, and he goes, oh, no. <laughs> 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 Uh, but Kramer uh, entices him by telling him he has a case against the tobacco companies. We cut to a, a little brief shot of a ama- uh, of Elaine being absolutely amazed it, by this spinning tire display. It,
0: her her <laughs> intellect just keeps dropping. She, she's now at that of a two-year-old, right? Because she's just staring at this spinning tire display and, like, clapping her hands like an infant. Yeah.
1: It's designed to look like... You know, picture the tires as like a, a mouth of some sort. And when they spin around, it looks like they're spinning and balancing on each other. But in, in reality, they're just, you know, just attached <laughs> on one side. But Elaine is like, whoo, and like clapping for it. Yeah. <laughs> and the tire guy is just like staring at her. We cut, So we cut back to Jackie Child's office, and the label doesn't mention damage to appearance. And so Kramer's like, what do you think? We have a case. And Jackie Child says, your face is my case. <laughs> Uh, and we get another great meme here, Kramer's ugly face JPEG. You know, th- have you ever seen this?
0: I don't know if I have actually. W- with his, yeah, with his uh, brown teeth smile?
1: Yeah, brown teeth and like sort of smiling. Yes. You know, like, yeah. Uh, okay. okay. That's uh, that's used in a lot of memes uh, when you need that kind of face. Back up in Jerry's apartment, Elaine comes over and asks, this was a, a, a bold
0: move. Ask Jerry if he can help clear her head. <laughs> And uh th- this was this was so good. Jerry is like, "Well, what do you what do you, what do you want me to do?" And she's like, "Well, that's why I'm here. You got 11 minutes." <laughs> yeah,
1: and she's even like, "You can read the paper during it." And he thinks about that. And he's like,
0: "Well, <laughs> he's intrigued. He's intrigued at just yeah. reading the paper the entire time." <laughs>
1: Yeah, and he, he does not take her up on it. Why do you think he didn't? He, he says it's just too weird. I thought it might have been because he's like, well, no, I mean, you're you're dating a guy, this guy, Bob. I mean, if we just bang it out, you know, I mean, like, that's kind of messed up to this guy. But that didn't seem to be the reason. I said, yeah. Bob, I meant Ben, of course.
0: <laughs> I'm going <gonna, laughs> <gonna> to interchange those. <laughs> uh, I don't know what Jerry's objection really was. Because um, I don't think her seeing somebody else would stop him.
1: It didn't. Yeah, that didn't seem to be the reason. But when Jerry won't do it, Elaine goes, is Kramer home? (laughs) Which, wow. I know. (laughs) Yowza. And over at Monk's, Louise is basically begging George for sex, which I can't imagine the last time George might have been begged for sex. But when he, you know, still won't do it, she leaves right as the Portuguese waitress comes over to fill up George's coffee. (laughs) Uh, Back at Jackie Child's office. Uh, the tobacco lawyer is there, and she disagrees with uh, the assessment of Kramer's look. She says that he projects a rugged masculinity, <laughs> and will have the offer to you by tomorrow. Because Jackie's like, uh, hey, by the time we get to trial, he's like, this is about three or four days. By the time we get to trial, he's going to be nothing but a shrunken head, <laughs> which I loved.
0: Yeah, to, and, to which she, she finally agrees, reluctantly.
1: And I loved when she leaves... Jackie's like, Jackie's cashing in on your wretched, what is it? Your uh,
0: wretched disfigurement.
1: Yeah, your wretched disfigurement. I love that (laughs) line too. Jackie's cashing in on your wretched disfigurement. (laughs) Over at Elaine's, Ben passed the licensing test and Elaine's uh, dream of dating a doctor has finally come true, except that Ben dumps her. He's like, I always knew that when I actually became a doctor, I would dump whoever I'm with and find someone better. That's, the, That's dream the dream of becoming, of becoming a doctor. A doctor. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so she has a dream of dating a doctor and everything that comes with that. He's like, but the dream of becoming a doctor is to dump whoever you're with and find someone better. <laughs> and then she's still like, so are we going to have sex or what? And he, you know, he just kind of considers it for a second. And
0: we don't get an answer
1: on this. No, no, we don't. I, I'm, I'm going to assume they did, but but I don't know. Because we never see Elaine through the rest of the episode. So we don't know if she's back to normal uh, over at junior, the junior high school, George shows up and he is an idiot now because he had sex, not with Louise, but with the Portuguese waitress. And he was like, I worked out the odds of me ever having sex with the Portuguese waitress. And mathematically, I had to do it, Jerry. Uh, so he's back to being dumb. And he's not going to go. He's not going out there to give a speech because now he's an idiot. He
0: grabs like two of his test tubes. He's like, "Whoa, what are these things?" puts them on his head as though they're antennas. Is like, "Take me to your leader."
1: <laughs> yeah, and Jerry's like, "Oh no, you had Jeez. sex." <laughs>
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> and and then he's, so George is not going on, and Jerry's like, "Well, why'd you come here?" He's like, "To tell you about the waitress." <laughs> and so Jerry has to go out there by himself, and he opens with. What's the deal with homework? You're not working on your home. Boo. Just just uproarious boos. Oh, my God. I love love when Jerry writes stereotypical Seinfeld lines like that. You know, know, Jerry Seinfeld, the real guy, doesn't think that's good. But I love that his comedian character, like, he just has a formula. What's the deal with homework? You're not working on your home. (laughs) Which I want to say... Like that—that sounds familiar. It sounds like something from that season two episode where uh, he like has to help his nephew with his homework or something. You remember that?
0: Oh yeah, you might be onto something. I'm gonna I'm gonna look that up. But what were you about to say? Um, I was gonna say it's just very reminiscent of uh, Banya's Ovaltine bit. Yeah, round team.
1: Yeah. <laughs> it's like, take a word in another word and either make it the opposite or or just switch it around to, it. you know, or or switch the words around, you know? Like, like you don't have an elementary understanding of like, well, no, it's work you're doing at home. Like, oh, but now uh, you're not working on your home. <laughs> um, in a taxi, Kramer is in there with Jackie Childs leaving lunch, and Jackie's like, it's weird that we don't have that offer yet. And Kramer's like, oh, well, I, I had a powwow with... Um, the tobacco lawyer. And we get.
0: Or Mrs. Uh, Mrs. Wilkie was her name. Mrs.
1: Wilkie. And we get a revisit of when Kramer put the bomb on. Who told you to put the bomb on? Who told you to have a powwow? I didn't tell you to have a powwow. They made him an offer and he took it. And it's that Kramer is on a billboard smoking a cigarette. You can tell it's a Marlboro Man style of ad. Yeah. The cowboy no with the cigarette. logo. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but the but the billboard does actually smoke, like smoke billows out of uh, Kramer's mouth. Oh, and was, his uh, face has been fixed too. It
0: it was it was fixed, or it was just makeup. I'm not sure, or or he just hasn't been around smoke in a couple of days. Yeah, and it has reversed it the up. effects. Although I, I don't think that's what actually happens. Um, right. Yeah. <laughs> looking at the billboard, was it like a like flat billboard that actually smoked? Or am I just ruined by modern technology in thinking that it was just a video screen? I think
1: at this point, at least in 96, it would be a flat billboard, like a flat still billboard that actually smoked.
0: Wow. Okay. That's, that's impressive.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's just a little, you know, I mean, I remember in Times Square, there used to be a cup noodles, uh, advertisement that would steam, you know, so it's just a little, just a little steam, you know, pumper from behind the, the thing that would would puff out smoke i'm sure but yeah so kramer's face is not only fixed in the ad but also in the taxi as well he doesn't look uh, wretchedly disfigured anymore but jackie child says this is the most public yet of my many humiliations <laughs> 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 uh, <laughs> and we get one last segment and one final huge cameo oh my god jerry gets a phone call from david letterman the real david letterman who is canceling because he heard about what happened at the junior high school, how many times he got bumped. And then when he did finally get a show, he bombed. Uh, so he's canceling and he calls him Jimmy. I'll, I'll let you know if anything opens up, Jimmy. <laughs> Jesus and, Christ. Uh, yeah. So that is the end of the episode.
0: Okay. Well, what do we yeah. got for homework this week?
1: Um, I wrote down Bob Odenkirk. I mean, we'll probably delve into a lot of the actors and cameos that are in this because we had several. So, you know, yes. Jeter and whoever that other Yankee was and, and stuff like this. Tons of people, even, I mean, Sue Ellen Mischke, Jackie Chiles. I mean, they were in the same episode together before uh, when he ma- they made her try the bra on.
0: Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, man.
1: Yeah. Um, okay, anything else? Why did I write down, why did I just write down homework? <laughs> I think I meant <laughs> to write down, I'll write that down for homework next week, and instead I wrote the word homework. <laughs> <laughs> Probably just uh, meant to write
0: it. cameos, right? No,
1: I think it was. Uh, maybe I'll catch it on the re listen. I have no idea why I wrote down. Oh, no, no. Okay. Oh, yeah. Um, homework bit. The, w- did he do that homework bit in a previous oh, episode? Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. So we have homework about homework.
0: Thank you. Okay. Uh, okay. Yeah. There we go. All right. Uh, what do you like this week for cover art? Well, first, did you notice how poor the cover art that Hulu picked is? I did. It's
1: didn't like just Jerry know. sitting in the booth at Monks. It's literally real? just like. Yeah, Jesus just like, Christ. Just like okay. Jerry sitting in the booth at Yeah, uh, there's a couple of. I mean, Elaine looking at the tire thing is good. George with the little beakers on his head is funny. Um, you know, Kramer looking hideous is kind of funny, even though it it's you know not really, you know, it's it's definitely a B story. I was uh, I was thinking George at Yankee Stadium. Oh yeah, George making the six games face is funny. Yeah, I like that. Yeah, it's all good. Any of that
0: oh man okay and let's see what we can do about the episode description so we had george benefits when his new girlfriend's illness requires their abstinence i think
1: we can do it better i think we can just say like it's called the abstinence so i don't know if i'd want to say abstaining but like how about just like not having sex or or lack of sex has an effect on george and elaine's Intellect or something like that. You know, I mean, I think we can make it better, but I think for a jumping off point, that's what I'd rather have it be.
0: I don't mind that, actually. Although it does make it sound like George and Elaine are having sex with each other.
1: Yeah, yeah. Lack of
0: se- Yeah, yeah. Lack of sex with each other has an effect. Um, <laughs> Lack of sex has an effect on George and Elaine's separate relationships.
1: Yeah, but I mean, I would rather it be about their, their intellect, you know, mm, because true. it. It it does it doesn't really affect the relationships. I mm, yeah you're right. I mean at the, eventually at the end, it, it does. It kinda, yeah yeah eventually it does when it's back on the table. But uh, yeah when it's back on the table for both of them it has the opposite. It, well it has the same effect. Bo- they both leave when they're able to have sex again. Um, but so lack of sex just affects affects lack of sex affects <laughs> wow well, sex and effects. Uh, lack of sex affects George and Elaine's. Intellect, does that still, does that, did I not change anything? Intellects? Uh,
0: no, I, I I like that. La- lack of sex affects George and Elaine's intellects. Yeah. <laughs> Let's do it
1: just for the rhyme. While they listen to Rex and effects.
0: Oh, Jesus Christ. <laughs> uh, okay. Um, I I loved this episode.
1: Oh, yeah, this got a big star from me. This got a, wow. non, a non-hesitant star, unlike last week. <laughs> this one deserved every every point of its star
0: yeah this was this was incredible i I watched this um last night and I was trying so hard not to not to laugh really loud
1: <laughs> yeah it uh, there's so many great lines and moments and and just side characters in it and yeah I mean that finally we got to a great episode of season eight we're about you know a little less than halfway through probably and we, we I knew we'd get there ah oh, thank goodness all
0: right is that it? Uh, well, next week, we have got oh, Season 8, Episode 10, The Andrea Doria? Is it The Andre Doria? I think it's The Andrea Doria. The Andrea Doria? Okay. I think so. Um, original, original air date, December 19th, 1996, uh, an episode that takes place four weeks after uh, The Abstinence, and an episode that takes place one day before my fourth birthday. This is Whoa! The, the closest that we get. To an episode actually happening on my birthday.
1: Wow! I wonder if we'll hit that in season nine. If your birthday was on a Thursday in 1997, you know, you know how uh, it kind of like shifts a day. Unless there was a leap year in '97, I don't know. I I
0: don't th- I don't think we do. I. Yeah. But um, I, I I think we only get the day prior. Um, I yeah. I I could be wrong. Uh, we'll have to check whenever we are doing next season. But uh, if you're looking in TV Guide the night of December 19th, 1996, you are going to see George Wants a Better Apartment, semicolon, Jerry Learns Newman is Hiding Mail.
1: Hmm. All right. Sounds pretty good. Uh, So is that it?
0: That is it. All
1: right. For No Hugging, No Learning, I'm Tim Murphy.
0: I'm Ted Halliwell. Be good.